Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Unbiased Football Talk. My name is James Gary, and I am one of your hosts. Joining me tonight, as always, is Ian and Mike. Ian, say hi to the people. You damn right I like that, Kirk. That's what I like to see. Mr. Kirk was slinging the ball against the Seattle Seahawks. But anyway, what's going on, gentlemen? It's good to be here. Good to see your guys' faces, as always. Uh, let's get into it. Hell yeah. Ian Ryan High over there, one and two with the Vikings. Uh, Mike, one and two, baby. Let's go. The only non-loser in the pack here. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Uh, cautiously optimistic with the Raiders, though. I mean, we we won, but it didn't it didn't feel good. So we'll we'll see next week. A win's a win, baby. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. yeah we didn't talk about that much pre-show, um, but that was a that was a that was a wild game, man. Like I I was out most. Of you Sunday, called it, but, but I did. Uh, I did get to. Um, yeah, I called it like always. I did get to listen to some <laughs> of the radio broadcast and. They didn't tell a score, but like it was 14-0 when I tuned in. And I'll be honest, just listening to the play-by-play, it didn't feel like that game was in doubt, to be honest. Like I, I had no doubts the Raiders were gonna like at least pull ahead at some point. And then of course the end was just wild back and forth. But uh yeah, like that's a true testament to like I think how how much that team has changed this year. I mean, at least early in September, but like I didn't feel like they were in any danger of actually getting blown out or anything like that. It was just a it was like a fluke beginning, and I expected them to fight back, and they did. So that was a hell of a win for them. I did think it'd be close, and it was. But I mean, good props to them for not losing this game like they would have in the past several years. Yeah, then it, it's yeah, you're right. And you know, past Raiders, it was like, oh, here we go. But uh, yeah, it, they were looking, they were looking good. Uh, the first three quarters, besides that first quarter, second and third quarter, defense looked great, and then. Uh, it just got crazy after that. But I had a headache after that game. I had to turn off football in general after that, man. I was completely done. Yeah, no, uh, I, man, I, I I'm, like, I'm like that almost every week with my boys. <laughs> yeah, I feel like mentally exhausted tracking all my freaking DraftKings and fantasy teams after Sunday night. And I just sat on the couch for eight hours and I feel like dead. Like you're, I just feel worthless. It's terrible. But anyways... We're going to get to the um, to the show this week. Uh, we're going to recap the four games we previewed from last week, and then we're going to talk a little Pittsburgh, Matt Nagy, and maybe if we have time, we'll play guest the player. But let's go ahead and dive right into this first game, um, the Chargers at the Chiefs. So I was the only one who called this right, I believe. I picked the Chargers, even though that's kind of wishful thinking on my part. But I picked them to pull the upset off of Kansas City, and they did because – because of big balls, Brandon Staley. He um, he went. I I believe he went for it on fourth down instead of kicking a field goal with like thirty seconds left, and that paid off because Big Mike Williams, the carrier of my fantasy team, converts the was a six yard touchdown, put them up by a six, and Patrick Mahomes couldn't come back from that. Um, this was a this was a pretty big uh, statement win for the Chargers, like going into Kansas City. Like I said last week, Justin Herbert, first time playing in that stadium with fans. And, I mean, you can't ask for much more. They won the game. Now, uh, Mike, at least for one week, your prediction of Kansas City in last place is correct. They are last place in AFC West at 1-2. and two. The Chargers moved to 2-1. and one. The Raiders sit in first and 3-0, and oh, tied with the Broncos, who are also 3-0. and oh. So, Mike, why don't we go to you, the fellow AFC West fan here. What would you, what'd you have to take away from that game? So, uh, the game itself was, uh, it was, it was pretty even like on the, on the scoring side, but Kansas city shot themselves in the foot too many times in that game. They had four turnovers, uh, two of which were interceptions from, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Now I do want to talk about Patrick Mahomes and his, uh, I call it outer space football that no look passing stuff. And, and, uh, you know, all the, all the antics he's been doing the last couple years, you know, kind of showboating and doing all the stuff he's been doing. Um, that no look pass, that first interception he threw with the no look pass, you, you got to think think about it from a receiver's perspective. Um, w- when you're not looking at a receiver when you're throwing the ball, they're not expecting that ball to get there, and it and it showed with that receiver. He 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 put his hands up and like a little too late, and it deflected off of him, and it got picked off. Um, the second one was um, 
uh, just good coverage from from the Chargers. They were rushing just for most of the game, and a lot of people don't want to talk about this. The, the The Raiders last year put that recipe on the board for how to beat the Chiefs: rush for really hard and 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 be in in coverage. And uh, uh, the Chargers did that. Um, and then you saw that in the Super Bowl with the Bucks. They only rushed four, and they got after Mahomes, forcing him to throw bad balls and and uh, trying to make plays that are, are pretty much impossible for an average person or average quarterback or even a good quarterback at that. So, uh, yeah, that was my take with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the, the the Chargers, they, they look like they're going to be up there with the elite. Uh, I, I, I don't see anybody really beating – the Chargers, unless they beat themselves, which they have been doing. That's the reason why they lost to the Cowboys. So, um, yeah, that's that's all I got for that one. Yeah, then, Mike, I'm not going to sit here and and, and uh, uh, piggyback what you just said because you literally said pretty much everything I wrote down. But I am – let me just do a little thing real quick. Let me pull the Aaron Rodgers. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. If you are sitting here asking if if it's panic time in Kansas City, relax. Okay, I don't give a damn that they're one and two. I don't give a damn that the Broncos are three and zero because the Broncos' opponents are collectively zero and nine. I don't give a damn about them. The Raiders and the Chiefs are the only teams that I really care about in this division. Um, it is not time to panic. Look, the defense played better. Let's just be honest. The defense played better. Um, but Justin Herbert played a clean game. That's what happened. He played a clean game. He had zero turnovers. He's solid, no mistakes. It came down to uh, the Kansas City Chiefs had turnovers. They had four turnovers, two interceptions, two fumbles. That's what it came down to. Um, so I really can't. That, I mean, that's you're not going to win a game in the NFL with four turnovers. Oh. It's, it's not going to happen. I don't care who you're playing. Um, you Four turnovers, you're going to lose the game. And you're right about the whole um, no look pass that he was clearly not expecting that pass because it hit him right in the the numbers. But but still, you know, I don't care. Okay, I still like the Chiefs. When you have Pat Mahomes, I don't I don't care. Um, Hey, but kudos to the Chargers. Justin Herbert looked great. He played a solid game. So, yeah, that's all I got to say about them. Relax. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anything is time to panic either. I mean, you still have the best head coach and quarterback duo in the league, and they really didn't have any issues moving the ball at all at any point in the game against the Chargers this past Sunday. Uh, the Chargers just straight up made more plays down the stretch. Uh, that said, like, we've seen, um, I mentioned it in our first episode when we previewed the season, that Kansas City overperformed their expected win total by, I think it was like four last year. And as I keep saying, that makes sense when you have such a dynamic head coach quarterback duo. But now we're seeing like, so normally if you just uh, if you just bet against what teams did in relation to their expected win total. So, for example, Kansas City went over it. If you bet their under win total, that normally comes through just based on that statistic. And uh, another thing that go that plays into that is your performance in one score games. Normally that that you you're supposed to be about 500 in those because win probability is like essentially a coin flip. It's one score, but Kansas City now they are 0 and 2 so far in a one score games this year. I actually can't remember if their win was by one score as well. I think it was. I think they, I think they beat the Browns by less than a touchdown. So one and two in one score games this year, and I'm I, I didn't look at it for the past two years, but I guarantee you they have a winning record in one score games. So. Normally, that also reverts to the mean. So we might just be seeing some some couple of years worth of regression hitting them. But, you know, I still expect them to win 10 or 11 games. I still expect them to make the playoffs. But, I mean, the division is in doubt now. Like, because you have two 3-0 teams and the Chargers who you just lost to who are 2-1. So uh, it's going to be tough getting um, winning the division. Like, you're not going to win it, win it running away at all. But... On the early season, they're still outgaining their opponents by 0.7 yards per play, which is normally one of the, I'd say, like the a top three or four metric in the league if you average 0.7 yards per play outgaining your opponent for the season. So they're still playing really well in terms of that regard. They're just uh, 
they lost a fumble against the Ravens, and then they gave up a game-winning drive against the Chargers, couldn't do anything with 30 seconds left. So I wouldn't panic, but you would like to win these games that you normally do win the past two years. But, um, yeah, I agree with Ian. I wouldn't really panic. As far as the Chargers, uh, they're, actually their similar odds didn't go up, go up as much as I thought they would. They're, only, they're still 28-1 to to win the Super Bowl, which I guess it's fair. It's week three. You don't want to overreact too much. Uh, I didn't get to see Justin Herbert's MVP odds, but I've heard some some talk about that. So, I mean, I'm really, to be honest, I'm just talking about my futures best and how excited I am for them. But, yeah, that uh, that was a pretty big boon to that. And the Chargers, they're going to ch- challenge for this division, too. They got the Raiders on Monday night. If they win that, they're both 3-1. and one. Uh, Whatever the Broncos do, they're no worse a game behind them. So it's going to be a tight race in the AFC West. And it looks like, uh, at least for this year, the West Coast has the eight best football teams in the league, as like top to bottom, which is pretty cool because growing up on the West Coast, I was sick of the East Coast bias. I'm sure you were too, Mike. So it's cool that we got some West Coast football ruling the league right now. Yeah, but now I'm getting oh, sick yeah. of you guys talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. I mean, it'll probably last one year, and then you know, probably we'll probably revert to like sucking next year, but. Who knows? Um, the next game is going to be uh, – we're going to hop, hop over to Seattle, Minnesota, where Minnesota had an impressive 13-point win. Cousins playing like an MVP. Aurora's crowd in Minneapolis, Minnetonka, Minnesota. Uh, Ian, why don't you tell us about your experience there? You were you were there live in person, slightly inebriated. Go ahead. Just slightly inebriated. What, what are you talking about Minnetonka, Minnesota? <laughs> I've heard it called Minnetonka. Isn't it called no, there's Minnetonka? It, there's a Lake Minnetonka. Anyway, okay, I'll just anyway. I'll just mute my- <laughs> yeah, mute your stuff. Hey, anyway, look, <laughs> you said it right. Um, Kirk played like an MVP. I'm not saying that he deserves to be crowned as MVP. He's probably a Dalvin Cook fumble and a Greg Joseph missed kick away from being in the talk, in the conversation. Not, I mean, let's be real. I mean, anyway. So yes, I was there. Yes, I had a few beers. It was it was a it was a good day. It was three twenty five kickoff. So so yeah, we had some extra time to partake in some extracurricular activities. But anyway, I was talking to my buddy that I went with. I was like, "You ready to leave, man?" The, the Seattle came up on a seventeen seven lead, and no one was stopping. Um, DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson and 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 Chris Carson thirty yard touchdown run untouched give me a effing break but uh dk metcalf is real man the dude is solid like there's nothing you can say bad about him he's he's physical it doesn't matter who you put on him unfortunately minnesota put bashad breeland on him um uh, i'll get to bashad breeland i got some words for him but they started hot seattle started hot they were up 17-7 but then minnesota came out and scored 2300 answer points and really buried um Seattle in the, in the second half I I can't remember what the what the what the um time of possession was in the in the second half but I think if I remember correctly they only had the ball for like 8 minutes or something like that and they finished the game with 24 minutes of time of possession overall so Minnesota destroyed and dominated the second half um <clears throat> but I always got some bad things to say about the Vikings. Now, it was a great game. <laughs> uh, Justin Jefferson had a great game. Let's talk about Alexander Madison. Hundred and uh, Hold on, hold on. Let me get back to it. 112 yards on the ground, and then he had six catches for 59 yards through the air. The guy was great. We did, the Vikings did not change their game plan at all with Dalvin Cook at uh, a game time decision. Obviously, he didn't play. Um, Seattle, I don't know what the hell they were doing. They blitzed like every single play. What do you expect Clint Kubiak to do? Of course, he's going to screen. The screen game was open all game long. Like it was, especially in the second half. But I want to say for anyone out there that, because I've heard this a lot, I've seen comments on Facebook, on Twitter. If you are overreacting about Alexander Madison, please calm down, okay? People are like, oh, well, we shouldn't have paid Dalvin Cook. We shouldn't have paid Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison. Calm down. Dalvin Cook is special. He's a 
he's different. He deserved to get paid, and when he plays, it's just a different, okay? He played 16 out of 17 games, or uh, 15 out of 16 games last year. He missed uh, Sunday's game because he carried our team in in uh, Arizona, and he was beat the hell up, okay? Calm down. Alexander Madison's great. He's probably the third best running back in the division. Yes, he's better than uh, old boy in Chicago, David Montgomery, but... Bashad Breland sucks. <laughs> he needs, <laughs> dude. I love it. Bashad Bashad Breland is garbage. It's so bad. Um, and he's been battling out with Cameron Dantzler all off season on, you know, oh, who's going to be the starting cornerback? Cameron Dantzler, and then all of a sudden Cameron Dantzler is like third or fourth cornerback, and then reportedly San Francisco is is a uh, is contacting Minnesota for. For a tr- possible trade for, dude. I thought we already. But, traded. What's that? I thought we already traded for him. No, I could be wrong. Yeah, I, you are wrong. He okay. he literally played in the game <laughs> oh, against he was, Seattle. He was playing in the game. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yes. Congratulations, you passed. Anyway, <laughs> God damn it. Um, <laughs> Breeland is so bad, and and he just go and watch the highlights. Okay, go watch. The first touchdown of the game by Seattle, the touchdown that DK Metcalf scored was embarrassing. I mean, he didn't even really put a move on Bashad Breeland, but he looked like like a toddler playing against. And I know DK, again, special, but it was horrible. After the game, though, Cam Dantzler tweeted something very cryptic. It's, it was deleted six minutes later, but I was able to get a little screenshot. He tweeted, quote, unquote, I'm tired of biting my tongue about this whole situation for real, dot, 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 dot. Now, take that for what, how you will, but yes, Cameron Dantzler is a little immature for posting something like that, but that was six minutes after the game ended. Like, you just won a football game. What's going on there? But um, other than that, the, last, the only last thing I have that's the, 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 the ugly side of the game, because it was a great game, Mike Zimmer, I have to say something bad about him. I have to. Fourth down, fourth quarter. It's fourth and one. You're up by you're up by ten points. You're up twenty seven seventeen. I say go for it all day. Dude, go all for day, it. Every day, man. Look, you put it away, you score a touchdown in that situation, the game's over. If you don't score, not only are you up still up by two possess uh two scores. Seattle gets the ball on the one-yard line with four minutes left. Look, you can sit here and say all you want. He kicked the field goal. We won. Whatever. At some point in the game, just like last week against Arizona, it's going to cost us a game. His fourth-quarter inefficiencies are going to cost us a game. And I, I, I have to say it. Like he's, And then in the postgame, he's like, yeah, you know, I thought about going for it there. But as James said, he hasn't changed. So, anyway, the Vikings pull up the upset. They they dominate the Seattle Seahawks. Finally, Seattle comes to Minnesota and has to deal with 75,000 screaming drunk fans. And I'm so happy I was there to partake in all of it. Um, one and two, let's go, Skull. Oh. Mike, you got that? Uh, I don't have much to add for that one. You You pretty much covered all bases, but... Kirk Cousins, man, he he's he's looking great. Let's talk about Kirk Cousins and what he's been doing so far, man. He's uh, his QBR is seventy eight, which is second in the league right now, and he's looking really good. Um, the the defense looked good in the second half. It was a great effort all around on the defense. Um, let's talk a little bit about Seattle. There, I'm I wasn't panicking. I for for the Chiefs, I had like a five out of ten panic mode. I'm full panic mode with Seattle right now. They, they, their offensive line continues to be a problem. Secondary was carved up, and they're easily, I would say, the worst team in the NFC West so far. Yeah, you could, um, you could, you could definitely make that argument for Seattle. I mean, record-wise, they're one and two, so objectively, yes, they are the worst team in the NFC West so far. Um, uh, that said. How long? So you said Tyler Lockett 
left the, left the game with an injury. Did you hear anything about how long he's going to be out? Yeah. I didn't. Honestly, I didn't hear if he's going to be out. I'm just. I was just informing you that he he got hurt. It was a. It was a. He caught a ball across the middle. Uh, they called it a fumble. He caught it. They called it a fumble. And then once he got out the field, they reviewed it, and it wasn't a fumble. He did come back, but I believe he still left the game again afterwards. I, I don't remember what it was or what happened. Okay. Yeah, so I just Googled Tyler Lockett injury. It says he avoided serious injury in that game. So uh, hopefully it's he's all good for him because right now Seattle is averaging – the most yards per play on offense in the league at 7.4, which is pretty uh, pretty impressive. They play yeah. the Colts on the road, Titans at home, and then the Vikings just now. So not not exactly a um, gauntlet of defenses, but, I mean, you only play who you can. 7.4 yards per play is pretty impressive. That said, hasn't translated to wins. They are just one and two. So maybe it's a... I mean, they get their whipping boy San Francisco next week, so they'll be two and two. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> yeah, hopefully Tyre Lockie isn't hurt because he's been started off having a great season. I don't wish injury on anyone, but if he wants to miss this next game, then that's fine. He can play the rest of them. Uh, I wanted to correct something from the Chiefs and Chargers, so I was actually citing 2020 yards per play metrics. Uh, for this year in the young season, three games in, the Chiefs are actually being outgained by 0.3 yards per play. They're averaging 6.7, which is um, third best in the league, but they're giving up 7.0 on defense. And that just plays into the to, to the talk you've heard that their defense is, is bad. And they have, been, they have played bad. That's the highest yards per play in the league, giving up 7.0 for three games. So that is a little concerning for them. And then... Quick note as far as the Chargers, uh, 5.9 to 6.0. Not exactly what you want to see from a, if you want uh, to call them a Super Bowl contender, but they still got room to go. Um, moving on to our next game, we got the, the Buccaneers and the Rams. Um, <clears throat> so this was a preview of, um, of what I thought should be the NFC Championship game, and I don't think it disappointed too much. I mean, the second half, the Rams pulled away at the end, but... It was a close game to start, 14-7 at halftime. And then, actually, I guess mostly in the third quarter, uh, the Rams pulled away. But, uh, Mike, why, why don't you start us off with this one? What was your uh, takeaway from the Rams and Bucks? Well, you know, the the Rams just broke a 10-game winning streak from the from the Bucks. So, you know, anytime you're breaking a big streak like that, then that's impressive. Uh, combine that with, the way the offense is looking with Cooper Cup looking like an all pro Stafford, he's my front runner for MVP right now. Um, they scored on their first six straight drives with four touchdowns and then two field goals. And uh, here's an interesting stat with the Rams, the entire season, they've only trailed two minutes for the entire season. So they're above and beyond everybody else so far in the league. They look like the, a complete team and they're, poised to make a, a playoff run and possibly host a Super Bowl in their in their home stadium. Um, Brady, I mean, Brady did what Brady does, 400 yards, no touchdowns. I mean, no interceptions, I'm sorry. Um, so, I mean, we can't, uh, we can't really knock on what Brady did, but uh, that defense for the Bucs don't look like uh, what they did last year. They're, they're struggling right now, so they, they, they got an uphill climb if they're trying to make that repeat. Definitely. Ian? Yeah, um, I agree with everything you said, except for Matt Stafford being the front runner MVP. I gotta, okay. gotta okay. go different. Hey, I gotta go with Kyler on that one. But anyway, hey, look. Okay. Um, the Rams have to be the Super Bowl pick right now, or favorite anyway, for the NFC. They played a great game Matt Stafford does look great. I'm not discounting him. He looks absolutely. I mean, he looks he looks like what Sean McVay was trying to get out of Jared Goff for four years or whatever it was. And we every he looks like he's playing the way that he should have played in Detroit for all those years. But it was Detroit. So um, yeah, the Rams took off in the in the in the third quarter, and the and the Bucks just couldn't keep up. But the Bucks like they were in trouble with their secondary being injured before the game, and I believe I believe. Um, their only healthy secondary player right now is Antoine Winfield Jr. I think everyone else is hurt. 
So that does not look that doesn't help at all for the Buccaneers defense. Um, they were terrible on third down defense. I know James is going to get into stats on this, but the Rams were 10 for 15 on uh, third down com- uh, conversion on offense. But it was they were 10 of 13 after their first two offensive drives. So the Bucks could not stop them on uh, on on defense. But um, you were you hit it on the head, man. You said uh, you said Brady did what Brady did. Brady. You know, he led the team in passing, obviously, 41 out of 55 for 432 yards. But he also led the team in rushing. Okay. <laughs> <You're> not, <laughs> you, I don't care who you're playing. You are not going to win in the NFL if you're, if you're starting quarterback. Okay. Let me pause. If Tom Brady is leading the team in, in rushing yards, you're not going to win the game because you have players like, Kyler Murray and, and Lamar Jackson are probably going to lead the team in rushing yards from week to week. But if Tom Brady's leading your team in rushing yards, you're not going to win, especially on the road. So they got to figure that out. You know, Giovanni, Giovanni Bernard, he got hurt, but he was a he was a zero factor in the run game. Um, Ronald Jones had five carries for 11 yards, and Leonard Fournette had four carries for eight yards. Chris Godwin... He's on the stat sheet for one carry for two yards, but he had a touchdown. So they got to figure that out, man. That's just not that's just not it. Um, this does not look like a Super Bowl contending. Uh, when you sorry, I can't bet against Brady, so I can't say it's not a Super Bowl contending team. But they got to figure it out. Bruce Arians, come on, man. Why is Brady leading your team in rushing yards? But hey, Rams look great. They have to be the favorites for the NFC for the uh, Super Bowl. But that's my thoughts. You know what? Yeah. I would like to see I would like to see what the odds are for uh, Brady leading the team in rushing. I wonder what that no was. Kidding. I, w- I would love to Seriously. see that. <laughs> if there was any money line on that, please, James, you have to know it. Uh, oh, yeah. That, that, that'd be an exotic probably probably have to beg to get it posted. And I don't know. <laughs> what, what would that be? Uh, 150 to one, even that might not be too long because right. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> Absolutely no way. Um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll dive right into those stats. So, uh, like you said, they couldn't um, – Brady led the team in rushing. Uh, here's a fun little one. In the first and second quarters on first down, they called five run plays to nine passing plays. They had a 40% success rate on those rushing plays. So, I mean – it, it makes sense that they just do nothing but throw because they couldn't do anything on early downs as far as winning the ball goes. But the Bucks were actually able to move the ball pretty well on early downs in the first half. But overall, they had 52% success rate, 61 through the air, but uh, not much on the ground, 29%. So here, here's the thing that really stuck out to me was in the second half. Um, let's see. Yeah, so in the second half... The uh, I'm sorry. Okay, here it is. In the second half on early downs, the Buccaneers had a 58% success rate, which is very good, right? That would lead you believe. I mean, not lead you believe. That meant they were moving the ball well on first and second down. On third and fourth down, that dropped to a 38% success rate. Okay, on the uh, on the for the Rams side, they had a 35% success rate on first and second down in the second half which means they had a lot of third-down situations. You want to avoid third-down. Well, I guess they didn't because in their eight third-downs, they had a 63% success rate. Uh, And Ian pointed out the Bucs just cannot get off the field on third-downs. And conversely, the Rams' defense was able to make some stops on uh, third and fourth down. So that was really the difference there. Uh, That allowed the Rams to pull away in the second half and really just run away with this game. Um, The... uh, I do agree that the Rams look like one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Their odds actually dipped. Uh, Bet Online still has the Chiefs and Bucks as co-favorites at six to one. The Rams are right behind them at eight to one. And then, uh, in you're curious, Bills nine to one, Ravens twelve to one, uh, Raiders and Vikings slightly behind at thirty-three one to forty-one respectively. But um, yeah, the Rams have a uh, one point two, a positive one point two. Uh, Yards per play differential, which 
in past seasons, 1.2 is one of the best marks in the league if you sustain that for the whole year. So they're definitely playing like a Super Bowl favorite to start the year. But um, I mean, the Bucks have a 0.4 yards per play differential, a positive. So that's not too too great, not not too bad. You know, just right around average uh, for a team. Um, I want to I want to get into before I get into Seattle. I mean, San Francisco and Green Bay. Uh, I want to get into just in the in the early year who leads the league in yards per play. Uh, if you had to guess, like the top three teams, uh, just just guess who do you think the top three teams are in terms of yards per play to start the year? Ian, you well, I already, well, we know who number one is is Seattle. Yeah. Um, number two. Uh shit, man! I don't know. I, I Mike, you got you, who do you think I was talking? Yeah, about? I got. I, I think I think the Raiders are probably second or third. One of those two. I know they're they're up there. They would have to be up there, leading the league in yards per game. Yeah. So and, the Raiders uh, are like sixth. Raiders are okay. Sixth. Um, I, I bring this up before I talk about the Niners. Number one, Seattle, seven point four. Number two, Arizona, six point eight. Number three is the Rams. Oh, yeah. Chiefs at six point seven. So all right, here we go. Here we go with the the West Coast off. <laughs> blah, blah, blah blah blah. I love it. Three, love three it. teams top <laughs> three in yards per play first three weeks of the season. I bring that up because I don't know if you saw the game, but the San Francisco secondary cannot cover at all. I mean, granted, Devontae Adams is arguably the best wide receiver in the league, but I mean, look look who you're playing uh, with those three teams: Seattle, Arizona, Los Angeles. Their guys can. Their guys can get open. Their quarterbacks can sling it. So, uh, going going to the Seattle Green Bay game, um, it's uh it's going to be a challenge figuring figuring out how to slow down these offenses because, uh, as far as the Niners' offense goes, they started out absolutely terrible. Like Garoppolo was terrible in the first half. Uh, ironically, the f- interception he threw on the deep ball at Kittle was probably his best throw in the first half. It was just a <laughs> fantastic play by Jerry Alexander. But um, ah, yeah, yeah, Jerry he, he Alexander. Garoppolo was bad. He was missing easy throws. He, uh, I mean, he. I think he fumbled a snap at one point. Like, I don't know, man. And then Kyle Shanahan. He, uh, I would like. I would like to see more throws on early downs. You know, like I understand your identity is running the ball, and you've had a lot of success with it in the past against Green Bay, but. You have a rookie running back back there. Uh, it seemed it, it was pretty evident early on that he just wasn't gonna be that effective as you'd like running the ball in his system. So when he saw that, like I, I wish he would have opened it up more on first and second down. That wasn't exactly the case. Um, he had a terrible, terrible gaffe towards the end of the first half, fourth and one at midfield, and he chooses to punt it. It was one of the most gutless calls I've ever seen. Fucking Mike Zimmer would have been proud. Uh, <laughs> he just, I don't like, he is such, I don't understand sometimes. He's such an innovator. He's such a terrific play caller. He, his offense is running rampant in the league right now. Several other teams implementing a similar system. And yet he has these lapses where he just goes into like 1980s run the ball, play defense moments. It, I it's hate just it. My, it's mind blowing. Like you saw in the Super Bowl, he didn't want to score before the half. Like it just, I mean, they they luck box into getting position to score there, but you know that's whatever. That was two years ago. Get over it. Um, second half, second half was way better. By the way, the the mo- the play Trey Lance came in for, he scored a touchdown on the goal line. The friggin' crowd was electric. It was an awesome Bro, moment. I was such a uh, good play call. I, I turned into a fan. I turned into a complete fanboy. Start Trey Lance immediately. Fired Garoppolo, but you know that's just. I was in the heat of the moment. I was in. Give me a break. Was, Give me a was, break. It was pretty cool. He came in. He ran. He ran for a touchdown. I was about to say that that sequence, the goal line sequence at the end, was absolutely abysmal. Like it was just pathetic watching him try to score from the inside the five yard line. And then uh, Lance comes in, runs a little sweep to the outside, scores. So all was well from that. Um, Main takeaways from the game, you know, they I, I, I think they were lucky to be in it. I think the refs helped them a lot with calls in favor of the Niners at the end. 
Uh, they screwed. They screwed. They screwed for San Francisco on some calls as well. But like, I mean, there was overall terrible. But some calls the 49ers definitely benefited from. Like, the hit on Adams could have easily been, you know, targeting or whatever you want to call it. I don't know how. I did see that. I didn't watch the game, but I did see that replay. I don't know how that wasn't a penalty. Yeah, I mean, I think they said they Straight didn't up. get a clear view of it. He did lead with his shoulder. But, I mean. Like nine times out of ten, that's that's a flag. So they got lucky in that regard. Um, you know, having said all that, they were they had a lead with thirty two seconds left. So as bad as they started, as bad as Devontae Adams torched them, you know, as as bad as some of the referees were, they were they they were going to win the game if the game ended thirty seconds sooner. Uh, Rogers just pulls some magic out of his ass and. Uh, Crosby hits a game winner, which was, I mean, it was, I, I'm a Niner fan. That was pretty cool, though. Like, I just, I just like seeing walk-off wins, you know, like the Justin Tucker field goal. That was fucking, that was something else. But, uh, History. yeah, I, uh, I brought up the other three teams, how well they play on offense because they get Seattle next week. Um, they got to figure out something like they have to, they got to open them this offense earlier or they have to. I don't know. They got to score more points <laughs> because they're not going to stop these, <laughs> these passing attacks from lighting them up. You know, they're, they're going to be able to make some plays because they got some studs on the in the front. But, you know, Warner, Bosa and Ford, Armstead. But, yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not looking it's not looking too hot to start. And they got uh, Seattle and then uh, Arizona a bye week. Then they travel to uh, no ankles, Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis Colts. So. It'll be interesting to see how they, what the record is entering that bye, and how they play these next two games against Seattle and Arizona. But um, do you, do you guys, what do you have anything to add to that, Mike? Yeah, man. Let me talk you off the bridge real quick, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> sound real depressing about your Niners. It's gonna be all right. Seriously, dude. man. You played right. Green Bay. <laughs> Did I sound depressed? I, I, I thought I was pretty objective. Like they. They gotta find a way to score. They can't stop anyone, so they gotta score more. And uh, I mean, if I you said score more stop- points than the other team, you win. Well, no shit. Okay, Madden. Okay, Madden. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll I mean, shut up. Go ahead, Mike. So, Go ahead. So, so I, w- I would say, yeah, you know, the, the secondary doesn't look good right now. But when you have a, I mean, this is just football in general. When you have a front line that can get the quarterback that makes secondary look a little bit better than what they actually are. And then that's where I, I'm keeping hope with the 49ers. I think that, that that front line can keep them alive in many games as bad as that secondary is, was looking in that game. I, I think they'll keep them alive in, in uh, games to come. Uh, can I give some love to uh, your fullback, Kyle? Uh, what's his last name? Juice. Use check. I, I, it starts Juice. With, Use check, man. Man, you know, as a former fullback in high school, um, that made my day. He had what six catches, and he had about seventy something yards. It was, it was great, man. Shout out to him, man. I I love seeing it. Yeah. Oh, yes. So yeah, he has a he has a brain on him too. So that's, (laughs) man, that's that's a rare breed right there. Uh, This game, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it, man. I'm gonna say this is gonna be a rematch in the playoffs in the first round, four or five matchup. That's what I'm gonna Ooh, call four or that five one, matchup. I'm good with yeah, that. We made it there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be in Lambeau, but uh, I, uh, I see a four or five matchup in this one. But that, but that's all I have for that one. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't write too much down for this. I know this is your your <clears throat> your team, James. The only things I wrote down was, uh, you already mentioned it. Kyle needs to be more aggressive early. He does, and I'm not gonna talk about Jimmy because it's just a beating a dead horse on that one. But the other two things that I wrote down was Adams is too good for any of the – or he was too good for any of the San Francisco corners. I, it was just – I won't say it was embarrassing, but, I mean, it, <laughs> I wouldn't be plays, crossing the line if I said embarrassing. Two plays in a row, that back shoulder throw down the sideline. Like, why they, – they should just do that every play. I don't know why yeah, they don't. I don't know why they don't. But the last thing I wrote was even 30 seconds is too long for Aaron Rodgers. I'm an NFC North fan. I've seen it time after time. We've seen it. He's the he's the um the Hail Mary King. And 
Of course, of course, Devontae Adams is wide open down the field across him. Of course he is. Why wouldn't he be? Because it's just how it goes. But hey, um, is I'm not gonna freak out on the uh, like lose hope in San Francisco. They're still a great team. Um, at the end of the year, we're gonna be sitting here thinking on week one, Green Bay getting trounced by New Orleans. Like, how the hell did that happen? Because the Green Bay Packers are a great team with Aaron Rodgers, and um, they showed it. They went on the road and, and beat a team that they were beat up on by the last few years. So it was a good game. San Francisco did come back from a from a pretty um, high deficit, so that was good to see. But Kyle, you gotta be you gotta be more aggressive, man. What the like? He was looking like Mike Zimmer out there, buddy. <laughs> but that's yeah. that's all I wrote down. If he's afraid to open up because of Garoppolo and start Lance, and if Lance isn't ready, that's also an indictment on him. Like that's just the bottom right. line. So right, either or, do like you got to make a decision and live with it. Um, all right, so enough about the uh, the the best division in the in football. Some people call it <laughs> overrated. I don't know who. Uh, let's go ahead and go to uh, a hot topic. Uh, Justin Fields' first start in the NFL yielded exactly. Uh, as much passing yards as his jersey number one, uh, he oh, had boy. he was sacked nine times by the Browns. Ridiculous! Um, all, all you know, all all reports I've seen indicate that the offense was just it was stagnant. It was non-inventive, non-creative. He he called the game like Andy Dalton was back there. Now I've also heard that Fields didn't play well either. I mean, obviously you have sixty-seven passing, sixty-eight passing yards, one net passing yard, so. It's going to fall on the quarterback, too. Like, I'm sure he didn't, he missed throws he should have made. But I mean, dude, Maggie, like, and you know, what, you know what's funny? I feel like one of the first things, I think this is one of the first things he said in his press conference, or he at least said it. Like, oh, uh, we're looking at all three quarterbacks as options for next oh, week. God. Like, oh, God. Oh, my on, God. Like, are we even are thinking doing, about dude? Nick Foles? Are you? What are you? Does he just, does he just like, get, he's, does he stroke it to the fact that he can have this this just statue back there <laughs> where that knows where the slot receiver is supposed to be on third and 18 when dude. you're down by 35 in the fourth quarter? Like, boy. I don't know. Dude, Ian, take Nagy, it away, man. Look, Matt Nagy, I don't understand. Matt Nagy is going to get fired on Sunday if they lose to the Detroit Lions. They might even fire him if it's a close game. I don't know. But what the <laughs> hell? What the hell were they doing? Look, Chicago... <laughs> don't call that third you down, you fire. <laughs> Look. Sorry. Look. They played the game. The offensive scheme, I told you guys this in, 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 our, in a little pre-talk before we started... I don't understand what the offense scheme was. Like, they played the game as if Andy Dalton was back there. Like, in my opinion, you should have an offensive scheme for Andy Dalton. And if Justin Fields is going to start, then you have to do an, a different offensive scheme. He is a playmaker. Go out there and why? And talk about blocking. They didn't block worth a, sh- a damn because they didn't chip with running backs. They didn't chip with tight ends. You Yes, you could sit here and say Justin Fields didn't play very well. Sure. But he was sacked nine times. Four and a half oh, times by, um, uh, what's his face? Um, what's his name? Garrett? Their defenseman. Who? Miles, Miles Garrett. Garrett. Miles Garrett had four and a half sacks. They And a couple of them, it was just simple little moves. And David Montgomery didn't chip him or anything. And, and Justin Fields didn't have anything to do. So what was the offensive scheme? Are you just are you going to go the rest of the season as if Andy Dalton's playing? You have if if uh, the Chicago Bears want to be um, competitive in the NFC North, yeah, the the the, the that division's probably ran by um, Green Bay. But if you want to even try for a wild card spot, you have to do something better on offense because that game just it looked like Andy Dalton was playing quarterback, and I I don't know. I, it was horrible. They they have so many offensive weapons with with Allen Robinson and Cole Command, David Montgomery, and and uh, I I don't know I I don't even know who else they have because they're not getting the ball. It's just horrible. Fire him. Matt Nagy has to be fired. I don't give it. 
I don't give a damn what happens on Sunday. You lose, he's fired. You, it's a close game. You win by a field goal at the very last second, you fire him. Matt Nagy needs to be fired. But that's all I'm going to say on that. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna one-up you on that one, man. If, if, if it's a 21 skunk at halftime, I'm telling him to clean his office out. <laughs> it's 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 bad man it's bad in chicago and and you know what i don't see them winning any time down the line i i, I agree with you i think he's gonna lose his job after sunday they're gonna lose yeah. to detroit because detroit's been playing hard and they have no answer on offense but i want i want to dive deeper into matt Nagy, his time with the bears he's been with the bears since 2018 season and the best he's done is 21st in total offense in 19, he had 29th. In 2020, he was 28th. And now he is 32nd in offense by far right now. He looks he, he looks like a mess. And this is a guy that was supposed to be some kind of offensive you know, genius coming from Kansas City. And he doesn't really he, – he hasn't delivered at all. Um, they didn't do anything to bolster their offensive line in the offseason. Um, so, I mean, you compound that. He, he It's – He's dead man walking at this point. Uh, you know, and I want to talk about Mitch, Mitch Trubisky here. Um, can, can we say, can we, can, is it fair to say that this is more of a naggy problem and, and not a Mitchell Trubisky problem? I think that Mitchell Trubisky got a raw deal with Matt Nagy and it, it could, put, could have potentially ruined his career. And in saying that, I wouldn't want Fields anywhere near him because if he ruins another quarterback, that's going to be on his head at that point. He 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 needs to be gone now, and, and, and he it, it's it needs to happen now. Um, now I do want to say, where do you who do you hire after this? You know, uh, I'm going to say like a lot of people are saying Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs, but I don't see them going that route again. I don't see the the Bears hiring another Chiefs offensive coordinator as as good as Bieniemy might be. I don't see them going that route, but Guys, have you have you guys ever considered uh, Ryan Day from Ohio State? I mean, he's with Justin Fields, and uh, he was his OC before he became the head coach. He was a Big Ten Coach of the Year, twenty six and three record with Ohio State. I think that would be a perfect fit to pair with Justin Fields and and to get him comfortable and get him acclimated and into and into an offense that he's comfortable with. And if that is the 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 guy you're going to go with to lead your franchise you need to accommodate for Justin Fields but that that's that's just where I stand on that one I I, I like your take I like your take on on Ryan Day I I do um if you're going to hire somebody that's in the NFL I think the first person that gets hired to to uh take over somebody at the end of the year uh Kellen Kellen Moore offensive coordinator of Dallas yeah. I think that oh, yeah. he will be He'll be a head coach somewhere. Um, he's my favorite to take over for the Vikings. If they fire Zimmer, I'm not going to speculate on that. But um, I could definitely see the Chicago Bears going and taking a look at uh, Kellen Moore, definitely. He he knows how to run an offense. Dallas has a great offense. He great great offensive plan. I could see him going in there and 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 making uh, Chicago. Chicago has the offensive capability. Maybe the O line needs to be addressed a little bit, but they have the oh, yeah. offensive weapons to be a top fifteen offense. They should not be at thirty two. That's just stupid. They have yeah. too many offensive weapons to be at thirty two. This is Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy is gone. He needs to be gone. And I know if any Chicago Bears fans are listening to me, they will agree. He needs to be gone. And I think that you should really take a look at Kellen Moore as the guy that takes over for that team. That's a good pick, man. That's a good. Yeah, I am. I'll, 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 I'll push back on that more suggestion just a little bit because uh, I listen to Michael Lombardi somewhat and he makes a good point. Like, now you just worry about calling plays. Like, he, he's a play caller with the title of head coach. And I think sometimes that, that clouds uh, Shanahan's judgment. Because he he's also very concerned about calling the plays, getting the right play. Um, before, like it makes sense that you would want a play caller as a head coach because that way other teams can't nab him. You can have the same offensive system year to year. But I think, like, I mean, can you name the the Ravens offensive coordinator before Mark Roman or Greg Roman? I I, I can't. 
can you name no. the dude before him? I can't, but I know who their head coach has been. You know, yeah. I I, yep. I feel like I feel like the head coach. He needs to he needs to be able to to see a worldview of each game, you know, the roster, everything else. Like I, I feel like that that kind of uh, gets them in the mindset of making better overall decisions from game to game. Now that's not to say uh, play callers can't succeed as head coaches. I mean, Sean McVay has done nothing but win since he got hired by Los Angeles with Jared freaking Goff. So, I mean, that that's not to say Kellen Moore is absolutely is absolutely no go for me. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, the first thing I thought was Doug Peterson, but I don't really follow. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't watch college football a lot, so I don't know the hot names there. And as far as the NFL, like Brandon Staley got a head coaching job after what two years as a coordinator. So who fucking knows who, who they're gonna pick, you know? But um, I, I do think I don't think they'll go the play caller route because uh, Nagy is that, and it hasn't worked out too well. Um, I mean they're they're averaging three point three yards per play. That's zero point seven less than the Dolphins, dead last in the league. It's absolutely <laughs> terrible. It's I, it shouldn't think, be that way. You think the yeah. Dolphins are bad on offense? The Bears are worse. <laughs> like it's it is so bad. Um, but yeah, I, I have no idea who they would turn to next. But I don't think it'll be someone of the uh, offensive play caller mindset. All right, uh, one more topic before we get out of here: um, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is done. He's been done since last year, probably the year before that. Uh, I'm going to give ownership the benefit of the doubt that they're not stupid. You know, they can see everything we see, right? They know that he's been done. But, you know, th- this, like, plays into, you know, people were saying, like, you have Aaron Rodgers. Why don't you just l- listen to him or at least let him have some input in the in the player ro- roster season or whatever? Well, when you cater to a player – uh, something like this could happen where you're too afraid, you're stepping on eggshells, too afraid to like upset him. Like the Steelers should have should draft a quarterback last year, year before that. They should have looked to add someone in free agency who could challenge for the job. But no, you have uh, you have granted future Hall of Famer, legendary Ben Roethlisberger there. Uh, you don't want to upset him, which I get. It. He's been great for your franchise. He brought you was it two Super Bowls? Yeah, his second year, and then he beat the Cardinals, I believe, in that in that crazy one. Uh, he, he's been great. Like I said, he's a future <clears throat> Hall of Famer, but he, he's done. He's in the twilight of his career. Uh, Peyton Manning played for the Broncos. Joe Montana played for the Chiefs. Brett Favre played for the Vikings. Guys, move on, and no one's going to blame you if you, do, if, if you had moved on years ago. Uh, that said, um, do you think they look to replace him in season? And if so, do you have a name for that? Uh, Mike, you can go ahead. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no at this point. I mean, the Steelers are obviously at a they they were put they put themselves in a corner with this situation. I mean, they got they got a future Hall of Famer with Big Ben, and um, that's that's their guy that they're gonna ride with to the end. It seems like I think they're gonna give him his farewell tour, and they're gonna miss the playoffs this year. And um, and I also think like somebody like Cam Newton to come in would be a little too. I think it's a little too late for that. I mean, uh, it takes a while for a quarterback to learn a, to learn an offensive scheme, um, and it, it just—I I just don't see it, it, it fitting now. If this was like a couple of months ago before the season started, I, I would say, yeah, let's see what's going on with Cam. Uh, put some feelers out for that, but I think it's—I think right now at, in week four, I think uh, you, you need to ride with Ben till the end. Um, I do want to throw out a a a trade possibility. For a quarterback, if you do make a move, now I'm not I'm not a salary cap expert. I don't really know too much how it works, but this was my first idea. Um, the Steelers, they're 12 million. In, they have 12 million dollars in cap space. They have Mason Rudolph has a one-year, five million dollar deal. If you get rid of that and a third-round pick for Jimmy G for to the 49ers. Um, you got a quarterback that you can have for at least a couple of years. Uh, the Steelers get rid of $5 million. And, you know, I don't know what they would do with Big Ben at that point, but, uh, you know, you at least got a, a decent quarterback that can feed those receivers that Jimmy G is honestly has never had before. So uh, that was that was something that it was kind of a, a what-if kind of deal. Um, like I said, I'm not a, ca- a salary cap uh, expert, so I don't know how that would work, but – 
that's what uh that's something that I was looking at. Uh, all the third round pick would be with incentives too, like you know, just in case like Jimmy G takes him to the Super Bowl or something. Like you know, you get you know you get an, an escalated second, maybe even first round pick for that, just to get your your money's worth for that or your your value worth for that. But yeah, that was that's where I stand with that one. Yeah, Mike, I I like that idea, Jimmy, in an offense. Eh. The the O line is is not good in 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 yeah. Pittsburgh. That's yeah. that's the problem, man. This offense should not be this bad. They have some great receivers. They have a good tight end. Actually, I think they have a couple good tight ends. Pat Fryermouth and um, Eric Ebron. I think they still have him. Um, and then Najee Harris in the backfield. The offense could be explosive, but Ben is not good. I I've been seeing things that he's not a hundred percent healthy. You're right. If you were going to make a move for a guy like Cam Newton, why didn't you make it two months ago? Um, I'm not against the Steelers going out and signing uh, Cam Newton. I saw um, when I was doing um, research for this for the segment, I I saw Stephen A. Smith, um, who I don't agree with all the time, but whatever. Um, (laughs) He he made a great case for him. Like, look, it can't get any worse. Cam Newton at least provides some kind of spark. He can run. He can run. Yeah, he was terrible in, in uh, New England. He was horrible, but he can run. The O-line is so bad. Like, Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, he's not running. You're not afraid of him running. Do you even have to – Do you even have to? how many do you have to blitz for that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm not against them signing Cam Newton. I, I'm not a believer in Cam Newton anymore. He's not MVP 20. 20- 15 or whatever, whatever year it was, 2016, whatever year it was. But um, if he goes down, I mean, your backups are Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins. So I'm not against them going out and signing him or somebody like that because you need to spark this offense. There's no reason that the Steelers should be one and two. It's just there's no reason for it. They have a great offense. They have great playmakers. I When I was looking up um, – NFL coaches to get fired. Mike Tomlin should not be in the top six. I don't no get way. that at There's all. No yeah, exactly. So I'm not against them going out and signing a guy like Cam Newton. I don't think they will. I think it's too late, like you said. But um, something's got to change in there because th- there's no reason for this, man. The, the offense is just stagnant, and I don't get it. Najee Harris is a fantastic running back, and these receivers, Juju – and Deontay Johnson and um, Chris Cl- or uh, is it Chris Claypool and um, James Claypool. Washington, Chase Claypool? Yeah, I don't. I, what's going on? So I'm not against it, but I don't think it'll happen. I, I don't think they'll trade for anybody. Maybe they make a desperation trade for a guy like Jimmy. I don't see San Francisco doing that, but who knows? Yeah, I don't know what they do this year. I guess Cam Newton make the most sense because I imagine it is easiest to implement an offense with with an athlete like Cam Newton back there. But like you said, Mike, it's gonna it takes a while to learn a new offense, so it's gonna be hard to make a move in the season. Uh, but I do think Garoppolo is an option for them next year. However, like Garoppolo behind that O line is it's pretty terrifying to be honest. Like the offensive okay. line is 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 bad now. Mm-hmm. You can help that with a quick release, you know, but I mean, then then you're just a ding and dunk offense, and you have no explosiveness despite having three pretty explosive receivers. So it's like yeah. a catch twenty two there. But um, yeah, they gotta improve the offensive line. I mean, the offense is bad because one, like I said, the line, and two, Ben is bad. Like he he's always he's never had great mechanics, or so I've heard. I'm no I'm no scout or tape grinder. He's always just been you know make the play, and he can't make a play anymore because he's 30, what thirty eight, thirty nine years old. So, yeah, that, that's why the quarterback is done and the offensive line sucks. It doesn't matter. You can have all skilled players in the world. You got if you don't have the O-line quarterback, then you're you're worthless. So I do think Garoppolo is an option for them next year. Uh, you know what? I, I think, honestly, if uh, if Miami doesn't be into it, uh, what about Deshaun Watson? If these charges clear, you know, Pittsburgh is not going to rebuild. That's just I, I don't see that franchise doing that um, as a motorcycle goes by. Sorry. Uh, why not Deshaun Watson in Pittsburgh? Watson and Tomlin? I mean, that that's must-see TV right there, you know? Yeah. And then Watson's mobility can help 
a weary offensive line. Uh, as long as these charges clear, I don't see why not. I don't know if they have if the draft capital. I don't know if they have the cap room, but that's not my job to worry about that. So uh, I'd like to see that. That'd be pretty interesting. If the charge is clear and the cap is right, hell yeah. Let's see Deshaun Watson in, in Pittsburgh. Absolutely. Yeah, how many how many draft picks do you want, really, in that situation? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, the that's going to be it for our show this week. Um, you guys have any parting thoughts for the people? No. Um, fun weekend of football. Let's go. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just looking forward to week four. That's that's it. Yep, as am I. So for Ian and Mike, I'm James. Thank you so much for listening again and tuning in. We'll see you next time. Take care.